0: I'll read you a story I came across today, which I thought was kind of funny. I'll know in a few seconds whether you agree with me or not, but I'm prepared to take a chance. Sometimes it can be hit and miss around here. An elderly couple had been experiencing declining memories, so they decided to take a power memory class where one is taught to remember things by association. A few days after the class, the old man was outside talking with his neighbour about how much the class had helped him. What was the name of the instructor? asked the neighbour. Oh, um, let's see, the old man pondered. You know that flower, you know the one that smells really nice but has those prickly thorns. What's that flower's name? A rose, asked the neighbour. Yes, that's it, replied the old man. He then turned towards his house and shouted, Hey Rose, what's the name of the instructor we took the memory class from? It's important. There are some things in life it's really important to remember. And there are some things in life that are, I guess, less consequential if we forget them. Um, I was reading yesterday also that the UK Telegraph, the Telegraph of the United Kingdom, released an article, 6th of April, what's today, the, the 8th? It would have been two days ago, 6th of April. They released an article, they'd done some research into remembering into our memory and forgetting things and remembering things and uh, they've discovered that the average adult forgets three key factors or three chores every single day of their life so today you are going to forget three fairly important things before the end of the day some of you may be realizing you've used your quota already okay if you haven't then it's coming but take heart you're normal the average person forgets about three things throughout their day. Here's some other stuff they discovered in their research. They discovered that men are generally more forgetful than women. I'm waiting. I knew the amens would come from the ladies there. The dear reckons. Love us, please. About, another fact, about 15 million people will allow a coffee or a tea to go cold on them today. Anyone get up this morning, make a tea or coffee, go about your business and come back or 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 your tea and coffee you're going to go home aren't you and it's still sitting there on the bench and you haven't drunk it anyone guilty of that i know that some of you do because when we pack up here there's always half cups of tea and coffee floating around the place that somebody forgot 15 million people today are going to forget about a cup of tea or coffee it's going to go cold a similar number about 15 million people will forget where they place their keys car keys or house keys 14,999,999 14,999,999 of them I do not know by name, but one. 12 million people will go all the way to the shops only to forget what they went out for. Who's done that? 12 million people today are going to go all the way to the shops and forget what they went to the shops for. I walked the next room and forget what I went to the next room for. Anyone else like that? It can be really, it's that important that I will get up and go, replace myself, and, and when I get there, I'll stand there and go, I know there was something really important reason why, but I can Anyone else? Yeah, there's a couple of people like that. Well, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's millions of people around the world who are doing that. Another 12 million are going to forget they left their washing in the washing machine. In my household, most of them are, say, 18 and under, <laughs> occasionally Over. Life is busy. Life is very, very busy for us at the moment. There are many reasons why we forget things. Um, Some of the research discovered that we forget things because part of it is because life is so much busier now than it used to be. There are so many more things in a day that you have to remember. Right? There's so many more things to do in life than say 20, 30, 40 years ago. If there's more things to remember, then there's more things to possibly and potentially forget as well. The other thing is we've got these beautiful bits of technology called smartphones and, and computers, and instead of remembering things now, we just jot them down. Uh, what, here's how I, my week works like this, is I've got an event coming up or something, I get my phone out, and what I do on my phone is I open up my calendar, and I go into my calendar, and I'll put on the date, and I'll put down what the thing is, and then I'll set a reminder, an email reminder one day before. So one day before I'm having coffee with you, I'll get an email in my inbox going, coffee with you. And then two hours before I have coffee with you, my alarm goes off. So I pick my phone up. What's that alarm? Coffee with you. So I don't have to remember I'm having coffee with you. I just whack it in here and go about my day. And this thing beeps and and tells me what I need to remember. This thing becomes our memory. Now, because we are so reliant on technology to remember things nowadays, obviously we're not exercising that memory muscle as much. So it goes a little bit flappy, a little bit weak. So there are reasons why we're generally a more forgetful generation. Mind you, it's not just now. Some people don't remember things because they choose not to. Uh, Albert Einstein was once asked about his phone number. Did he know his own phone number? And he answered and he said no. And the person who asked him said, why do you not know? How can you not know your own phone number? He said, well, I store information up here that's hard to come by. Why would I remember my number when I can just go to a book and find my phone number? So he kept his memory for things that he couldn't find elsewhere that weren't easily accessible. So there are lots of different reasons why probably now people are getting more and more forgetful than what, say, they were 50 years ago. During the research, they researched over 2,000 people and the top 10 things that we forget. The first four we've mentioned. Number one is letting a a hot cup of tea go cold. Number two, where you put your keys. Number three, forgetting you went to the shop for. Number four, forgetting the washing in the washing machine. Number five, forgetting... Forgetting that you took food out of the freezer. Number six, forgetting to charge your mobile phone or your iPad. Number seven, forgetting to not swear in front of the children, which I'm sure none of us here suffer from. Number eight, forgetting to replace the toilet roll. I meant to mention to you kids this morning, I got out of bed early to get this sorted and had to run in and ran straight back out for the tissues in the lounge room. Number nine, forgetting where you parked your car. And number 10, forgetting a friend's child's birthday. They're the top 10 things that we forget. Now, while this may be a list of the top 10 things we forget, it'd be fair to say that the consequences of forgetting most of those things are fairly minimal. However, I've decided to put together a top four list of the things that I think consequentially are far more dangerous for us as people to forget. And I've asked Luke to put a couple of slides up for me. If you could put the first one up for me, Luke. The first one is forgetting to put a parachute on when jumping from a plane. Now, if you forget to put a parachute on when jumping from a plane, there's dire consequences. This is so cool. Leonard moved into jump position without his parachute. Let's see how long it takes before he realizes it's missing. And poor old Leonard jumps out. Now, I've been told by a parachutist that you can jump out of a plane without a parachute. Once. Once. You won't do it a second time, but you can actually do it once. But the consequences of jumping out of a parachute, uh, jumping out of a plane without a parachute, could be and most likely would be death. Death by splatterage, or whatever you want to call it sudden impact, death syndrome. Um, You're probably not going to make it if you jump out of a plane without a parachute. Now, that's my number four. There are three things that have way more dire consequences if you forget than that. Number three forgetting to put the toilet seat down. Girlfriend said, put the toilet seat down. Ain't nobody got time for that. Now, I don't know. Nobody's ever done any research to see who's actually got this right. Did we forget to put it down or did you ladies forget to put it up? There's been no research done on that yet. At this point in time, you guys may be winning. But one day we might get a smart university or a researcher that comes up with something that's more lean towards us. Number two, forgetting a loved one's birthday. Sorry, I forgot your birthday, but I didn't log on to Facebook today. Hey, who's on Facebook here? I'm I'm not really on Facebook, but it pops up. People tell me it pops up that it's someone's, your friend's birthday today. You know, your friend ate a cheesecake today. And all these things pop up on Facebook and remind you. Forgetting a loved one's birthday could have dire consequences for you. I, I, I was talking to an old guy once and he said, the best way to remember your wife's birthday is to forget it once. Said, you forget it once, you'll never forget your wife's birthday again. I've never forgot my wife's birthday, 22nd of April, coming up very soon, actually. Number one, the most consequential thing that we could forget would be, I assume, forgetting your anniversary. Work accident? No, marriage anniversary forgotten. Once again, I'm pretty good at this, I never forget my wedding anniversary. Um, by the way men if you want to forget your own anniversary that's fine just don't forget your wife's. make sure you remember that one and things should be okay for you things that if we forget them there could be consequences life is like that there are a lot of things to remember some things are going to have a major impact on you if you don't remember them some things won't have that much of an impact on you if you don't remember them but we are a forgetful bunch of people at times and you know what sometimes we hang on to and remember the things that probably aren't as important and the things that are more consequential, we tend not to remember. Like, I probably don't really remember everything I preached last Sunday. Although I thought it was a great message and it was a good service to be in, and There was some great stuff in it. And that happened seven days ago. But you know what? But I do remember that the Tigers beat Parramatta. I do remember that. Now, that's probably less consequential to what I read and heard in the Word of God. So maybe I'm hanging on to things and remembering things that are less consequential, and forgetting things that have more meaning and more impact in my life. In Psalm 103, Psalm 103, David, many, many years ago, this great king of Israel called David penned these words in Psalm 103. He said this, he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Then he goes on, And he lists a few benefits of following God. But he speaks to himself. He says, forget not all the benefits of God. You know, we live in a world, I think, that's not daily screaming out to you, hey, forget not the benefits of God. Don't forget whatever you're going through right now, God is on your side. Don't forget whatever you're facing right now. This will pass, but God will forever be there. I don't think we live in a world that's screaming at us, reminding us of the goodness of God. When we watch the TV, when we watch the news, you very rarely ever see anything about the good things that are going on in the world and a connection to God and maybe what, what, you know, God is doing some amazing things around the world right now. There are healings and deliverances and miracles. There are people's lives being changed, people being set free from addictions all around the world. You're not going to see that stuff on the news that stuff's not going to get publicized when i hear a great testimony you know it does it reminds me of the power of the god that i believe in when i hear that somebody's had a breakthrough when i hear that somebody's turned a corner doing well because you know they're, they're suddenly maybe doing life the way that god suggested we should do it and i hear those stories and you hear the, the stories have turned around lives those sort of things encourage me to think more about god they encourage me to to lean into god they remind me of how powerful god is We do not come to church or pick up our Bible because we have some philosophy about life that some dude, long hair and no shoes and a big nose. He was Jewish, he would have had a decent nose. We we don't just be here with some kind of philosophy about life because of some guy that died 2,000 years ago said some smart things. If that's all Christianity is, you're absolutely missing the point. That's not the point. It's an ongoing relationship with God that was opened up to each and every one of us as mere humans through the death of Jesus Christ. The world doesn't constantly remind us to think about God. If anything, it's set up in such a way that it gradually numbs us to the goodness of God, it gradually numbs us to the standards of God and gently pulls us away. And before we know it, we're sitting there agreeing with things, thinking, you know, this is actually okay, when way over here God's saying, it's actually not okay. It's actually not okay but we've been desensitized and so on. And so David writes these words and he tells himself, you know what, I've got to bless God. And the way that I live a lifestyle of blessing God is by remembering the goodness of God, remembering the benefits of God. What are the things that God brings into my life? If I can keep focus on the goodness that God brings into my world, then I'll wake up every day and I won't have have to search for a reason to praise God. Amen? I won't have to search for a reason to be excited about God. If I live that way, if I tell myself, bless the Lord and forget not his benefits, don't forget the goodness of your God today. Don't forget the fact that God saved you. Don't forget the fact that God is with you. Don't forget the fact that God is for you today. He's not against you. He's not angry. He's not out to squash you down like some cockroach or silverfish in my lounge room floor. He loves you. He's for you. The Bible is full of promises that tell us that God is for us and that he is with us. You know, one of the problems with trouble and hardship and stress and things in life is that, and and maybe you can relate to this, when we go through troubled times, stressful times, hard times, we tend to remember the things we should forget and we forget the things that we should remember. How many of you have battled a major sickness or a major illness? I know we've had Tim's testimony up here. God healed him of cancer, you know? Praise God, what an amazing story. Uh, My mother-in-law has just been healed of cancer. She shouldn't be here. She shouldn't be here, but God has done an amazing thing in her body and healed her of cancer. And when you've had a, a major miracle like that take place in your life, and I talk to people and I've chatted with people in the past who've had these big miracles, and then all of a sudden you feel a pain in the same spot. You feel a twinge. What happens? Our brain doesn't remember the things it should remember. Oh, that's okay. Praise God. He's... he's our brain goes over here. We get pulled over here and all of a sudden we start remembering the things we should forget. Oh no, it's happening again. Oh no, I remember what I went through before. And we start replaying these images and these thoughts in our head. Maybe you've, you've gone through a really tough financial time in life and you've come through and you've come out the other end and God's been good to you. And then all of a sudden the, the, the same signs start to happen as what happened before. And instead of straight away remembering uh, forgetting the things that we should remember, remembering the things that we should forget, what we do is we straight away go to that place, we go back, and we go, oh no, here we go again. Here we go again. Instead of, you know what, been through this, God got me through, praise God, we'll get through this. So when trouble and stress and things like that come, trouble has a, a tendency to help us and to push us down a path where we remember things we should forget and we forget the things that we should remember. And so David here encourages us. He says, don't Get fixated on all the negatives. Don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed with all the other stuff that the world is screaming at with you. But you have to take charge of your life and you have to remind yourself of the good things of God. You have to choose to remember the goodness of God. It comes back to a personal choice that we make. This is what David's saying. He's taking authority over himself. You know, the only person I have absolute total authority over on planet Earth is me. 100% 100% total authority over there's only one human being I have that with and that is me and I need to take control of my own thoughts and take control of my own life if I want to get to the place that I want to go to if I want to be the person that God wants me to be I've got to take control ultimately at the end of the day I can't blame anybody else this is what David's saying you know what you're the king of Israel you're fighting battles you've got all kinds of things coming against you. your nation's and I take you down but You've got to make a choice not to focus on that and think about all that stuff. You've got to praise God and bless God and you've got to remember the goodness of God in your life. You've got to remember the good things that God does for us. If we can be the kind of people that wake up and we remember the goodness of God and we think about the good things God does, that changes us as people. Amen? It changes us as people. Instead of being negative... Caught up in this fixated upon... You know, it's interesting in the media that if, you, if, if something really, really good has happened in society and something equally as bad on the same level has happened in society, you know what they publish on the front page? The bad. Why? Because people read it. They know it, that people will gravitate to, to, to stories that are not great. We gravitate to corruption stories or, or ball-tampering things or or whatever it is we want to read. You know, I woke up this morning and I found myself doing the same thing. I, 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 I quickly flicked through my phone and looked at the football, the rugby league app. And there's all these stories of, you know, Warriors won uh, another game and that's five in a row unbeaten and... and- team won that, and the Tigers even won yesterday over Melbourne. And in the middle of all of that is one story about um, uh, the coach of Newcastle, Nathan Brown, takes aim at Wayne Bennett about something. There were some comments made back and forth to each other. And you know what I did? I scrolled, scrolled, and I pressed on that one. And I thought, why did I do that? Why do I go straight to the controversy, to the negativity, to the ooh story, when there's all these other great stories there? Why do I go to that? And I found myself this morning doing the same thing, because we gravitate towards that. The media knows that. Uh, the news knows that. Newspaper people know that. But we've got to not be that kind of people. And the only way we stop gravitating those things is when we bring to remembrance the goodness of God and we fixate ourselves on the goodness of God, on who he is and what he does in our world and what he does through our life as well. You know, I recently became a life member of in the Touch Football uh, some time back, I became a life member. I've been serving there for uh, eight to 10 years, whatever it is, and they presented me with a life membership. Now, one of the great things about life membership at Balner Touch is this. When the next touch football season starts up and everybody else is getting a line, paying their $100 to play, guess what? I don't pay anything because I'm a life member. So I don't have to pay ever for the rest of my life again to play in a touch football competition at Balner. I'm so stoked about that. I'm going to sign up to every competition even if I don't play for the rest of my life. Just every year. Save the 100, save the 100, save the 100, save the 100. I'm 100 up, I'm 100 up. I'm I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. It's great. How many of you know that just about every organisation, club and group these days have these things called member benefits, yeah? Yeah. You you can sign up and become a member of anything these days. And there's member benefits. If you become a member, you get this special offer, and exclusive this, and you find out first for everybody else, all this stuff. There are member benefits. And when I read Psalm 103, I think what David's doing here is he's saying to us, hey, guys, don't forget your member benefits, You've signed up, you've given your life over to Christ. If you're following Jesus, he's saying, "Hey here, people, I want to list some member benefits to you. Don't forget the member benefits that come with the position that you are in. Now if you've got a Bible there, go to Colossians 1:13 really quickly for me. I want to show you something. Colossians chapter one, and verse 13. It says this. It says, "Speaking of Jesus on the cross, it says, "He has delivered us." From the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Notice it's past tense. It's past tense. He has delivered us. It's not he's going to deliver you one day. One day he's going to deliver you. It's past tense. Something happened on the cross, and that was that the Bible says that there was this big curtain that was separated, this place called the Holy of Holies, which was where the priest would go once a year in the Old Testament. He would go in there once a year to offer a sacrifice for sin for the nation of Israel. They would tie a chain to his leg. And they would all be outside the other priest with the chain. Just in case he dropped dead in the presence of God, they would literally drag his body out. Nobody, You couldn't go in and get him even if he died. So they tied a chain and they would drag him out. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, that that temple curtain was torn in half. That curtain was as thick as a phone book. Anyone remember phone books? Remember we used to get phone books? They used to be big, thick things now. I don't know what analogies they're going to use in the next generation for that one, but it was as thick as a phone book, all right? It was as thick as a Google index or as thick as a Facebook CEO who thought he'd get away with all this stuff and all your details. But it was as thick as a phone book. And the Bible says that it was torn in half when Jesus died on the cross, which meant that ordinary, everyday people suddenly had the opportunity to come face to face with God. We all suddenly had the opportunity to get to know God. See, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon priests and prophets and kings, three people, three groups, classes of people. The Spirit of God would come upon them and they had access to God and, and you would have to go through these people that the prophets would speak to you. You couldn't hear from God yourself. God would come and... And all of a sudden, the whole system changes and God goes, you know what? There's no classes of people here now. I love all people and I'm going to create a system whereby every single one of you can come and get to know me. Every single one of you can come into a relationship with me. And what happens when we repent of our sins, put our faith in Jesus and turn our life around and say, right, God, I accept that that death on the cross was for me. I accept your forgiveness. So what happens is we turn around, we walk away from that. Here's what happens. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of... So in other words, you were literally, when you gave your life to Christ, something supernatural happened spiritually. You were literally picked up by Jesus and conveyed or transferred some translation. You were literally picked up and moved over here and plopped into a whole new kingdom. It's already happened. So if that's already happened, then don't you think our life should be a little different over here than perhaps what it was over here? Maybe over there, things are different than the way we should have expected things to be here. That's what he's trying to say. You have been delivered from the power of darkness, and you've been transferred to another kingdom where there are different rules and different things go on over here than what went on over there. It's already happened. Some Christians live as if we're just waiting for it to happen. The Bible says it's already happened. The Bible says that if you put your faith in Jesus, it's already happened. You've already been transferred over here. In other words, you weren't a member. You were sitting over here going, oh, I don't know if I want to become a member. You know, I'll think about it. Send me the paperwork and I'll just think about it. No, you know. And then when you did sign up, you became a member. You got popped over here where the members are. Now we're in the member stand. Now we're in the member stand. Okay? It's already happened. We're not waiting for something else to happen. It's already happened, which is why the Bible tells us that all the promises of God are yes and amen. We lay hold of the promises of God. That's why now the Bible says we live by faith. Over here, we live by sight. We just, whatever is is, and you just go through life that way. Over here, the Bible says we now live by faith. What's faith? Well, it's trusting in things that you haven't, can't necessarily see right now, but you know it's going to happen because you trust the one who said it. If I said to you, uh, to my children, that, uh, you know, Chloe, when we leave here today, I'm going to go and buy you a Mars bar, I would hope that she would trust me that I'm going to go and buy her a Mars bar. She's not stressed and straining about it, but she's living in expectation about her a Mars bar because she trusts me. That's faith. She hasn't got the Mars bar yet. She's just got my word, but she's trusting my word. That's faith. And that's what we do. We've got the word of God and we trust God. We trust that in his right timing, in his right way, that the promises of God are going to come to pass in our life. That's what it's like living over here as opposed to living over here. And so David, in Psalm 103, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. And then he goes on and he lists the benefits of God for us. So what are some of the benefits that he lists just in finishing up? Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, forgives all your sins. Let me tell you something. Your God has forgiven your sin. He has. Now, here's the problem. A lot of you haven't forgiven your sin. And you think that that's more important than God has forgiven your sin. A lot of us walk around like we need to prove to God that we're sorry for the things that we've done. We need to do some kind of penance. You know, you go back hundreds of years in the early church fathers and and the dark ages, you know, people used to walk around and whip themselves and things like that because they had to prove to God that I'm seriously dead to my flesh and alive to you and that I'm sorry. They would beat themselves. You know, Anyone ever seen that um, Jim Carrey movie, Liar, Liar? He goes into the toilet and he's beating himself up. What are you doing? You know, he's beating himself up in the toilet. Some of us Christians live like that. We're beating ourselves up trying to earn the forgiveness of God or trying to prove to God that we're sorry for the things that we've done. Yet the Bible is very clear. He forgives all your sins. Not just the little ones, but the big, massive ones. Not just the ones that are inconsequential, but the ones that have huge consequences for your life. God still forgives those sins. He forgives your sins. We sometimes don't. We hang on to them. We live under the guilt and the condemnation of sin because we fail to agree with God and to let it go. 1 John 1, 9, I think it is, says says that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise of God. Who are you going to believe? Yourself or God? Yourself or God? He forgives all your sins. You know, I I took an outreach team uh, years ago over to the Solomon Islands. I used to go in and out of there with with groups of youth. And I was over there one time and when I first started going to the islands, they they were probably the most happy country I've ever been to on planet Earth. They were so joyful. Uh, these people were beaming, smiling. Life was just beautiful. And I probably went in there three, four, five times. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a civil war broke out. The the, the, the people from an island called Malaita would come across to Guadalcanal, the mainland, to work. I don't know all the ins and outs, but what happened was the, the Guadalcanal people eventually got sick of this and thought the Malaitans were coming, taking all their jobs, so they rose up. Um, and they went fisticuffs in the main street and all over the island and this went on for some time it got so bad that the Australian army went over there and had to come and try to settle things down there were guns in the streets and up in the hills and so on they ended up having amnesties for people to bring guns down hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people men women and children were killed in the main street in the marketplace people were just running through with machetes just destroying lives because of the anger and the frustration that just boiled over in this place So when I went back um, uh, about three or four or five months after it all settled down and it was like going to a totally different country, totally different land. People used to walk down the street and laugh and all of a sudden they walked down the street and as soon as you crossed someone, everybody would do this because they have a payback system. I don't know if I killed your cousin's uncle, I don't know. I don't know who you are, you don't know me, but I'm going to watch my back because it's a payback system. If you've done it and we know that it was you, we're going to get you. Can you imagine living under that fear every day? It didn't matter where you went. You just went down to get some bread from the bakery and you're watching your back the whole time because you know you've done something wrong and you're waiting for a penalty. You're waiting for a punishment to come upon you for what you know you've done wrong. You know, some of us, even as believers, we live like that, don't we? We know we've done things wrong and we're still living as if we're waiting for punishment to come. Yet the Bible says that he forgives all your sins. He forgives all your sin and he cleanses you from unrighteousness not just the big ones, not just the little ones, sorry, even the big ones. We were, went across to the island of Malatia and we did some work in some villages up in the mountains. And on our way back, we caught this boat. And there was a young man sitting on this boat. And this young man began to talk to one of our team members. And this team member began to talk to him about the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. How it doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how far off the track you feel like you've gone, God can, can, can clean you up, he can take you. You see... God reminds me a little bit of my father. You know, one of my father's favourite pastimes when I was a child, he would go to the rubbish tip. He would take me to the rubbish tip with him and he would go around the rubbish tip and it would, he would pick up other people's rubbish. He built sheds out of rubbish that he'd found at the rubbish tip and then he would fill them sheds with things he found. You know what he'd do? He'd take them home and he'd put them down and he would slowly get the rust off them and he would polish the dirt off and he'd clean them up and he'd look at them and go, I just need to replace this. I'll take that out and I'll put this in. I'll fix that up. And he would turn other people's rubbish into beautiful things. He would, he would fix things up. Yeah, but the thing was, he saw the value in what nobody else saw value in. And you know, God's like that with us. He sees value in us. He sees value in you, even if you don't see it in yourself. Even if you don't uh, have people around you that speak that value into you. Or that see that, I want to tell you, every single person here right now, you are valued by God. You are valued by God. Nothing you have done has changed his equation of you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And this guy is sitting on the boat and he starts to talk to this team member and say, you know what, you need to stop because God can't love me. And this team member's going, no, he does. He really can. You know, he died on a cross for you. And the guy, no, you don't understand. And he put his hands up and he said, I've got blood on my hands. I've got blood on my hands. During the revolution, during the, the, the war, he had taken matters into his own hands and he had taken human life and he said, I've got blood on my hands and through tears he said, God can't forgive me and his team member tried to explain to him no, he can, he can, he can but you know what the problem was? The problem wasn't that God couldn't forgive him, it was that he couldn't forgive himself because he couldn't forgive himself he couldn't let it go I wonder how many people can't forgive themselves they won't let go of the things they've done wrong. God wants to take it. The Bible says that he takes it, he throws it as far as the east is from the west. As far as the east is from the west, that's a fair distance in my equation. I was never great at geography, but I'd imagine that's pretty far. That's what God does with your sin when you bring it to him. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. The problem is not God's ability to forgive you. For many of us, the problem is our own ability to forgive ourselves. And as long as we hang on to the guilt and the condemnation and the shame of mistakes we've made in the past, we will never go forward. You'll never go forward. You'll never become the person that God wants you to become. Look at it as one of your member benefits. As a matter of fact, on the application form, there's only really one question to become a member. It's this. It's do you repent of your sins? Believe in Jesus. Two boxes. If you tick yes on both of those, then guess what? You get transferred over here into this other kingdom. And there's no condemnation, the Bible says in Romans. There's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You know why? Because you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. If only, if only we would believe that and live that out and allow the forgiveness of God to flood over us. Who do we think we are? If God lets it go, why would we want to hold on to it? If God says you're forgiven, why would we not want to forgive ourselves if God's prepared to do that? I don't want to go any further today'll that'll, that'll, that'll do us but I just want to encourage you here this morning I don't know everybody's heart here before God. you know one of the the, the, the things that um, I think about church and I I don't mean this negatively, but church can sometimes be a fantastic masquerade party, can't it? It really can. We can rock up with our masks on and we can look a certain way and act a certain way and be a certain way. At the end of the day, it all means nothing. What really matters is our heart before the Lord and our heart before God. That's what matters at the end of the day. You know, Some people look rough, but they're diamonds in the eyes of God. Some people look like diamonds and God's looking down going, you're a bit rough. You need to polish off a few edges here. We can make ourselves look however we want. But I'll tell you this, the entry into relationship with God has not changed from the time Jesus died on the cross. And it's a simple thing called repentance and faith. It's confessing our sin before God, laying it down, handing it over to him, then accepting his forgiveness. Then I mean, making a choice. Lord, I, I accept that what I've done is... You know, sin is an old uh, archery term. It's a Greek archery term. And what they used to do is they would... In ancient times, they would shoot the arrow at a target... And there'd be a poor guy that had to stand over here near the target. His job was to, to, number one, avoid being hit by an arrow. And number two, if it fell short, he'd call out, sin! It just meant you've fallen short of the target. You've fallen short of the target. And that's what sin is. It's us falling short of the target of God. It's us not living up to the perfect expectations of God. I love the fact that God knows we're human. I love the fact that God made provision for our humanity and our flesh. Through sending Jesus to die, because God knew we would never be perfect enough. God knew we would never be good enough. We would never be altogether enough to match up to the standards of a holy and perfect God. So He offers us a way into His presence, not by our own efforts and our own works, but through simple repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel message. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That we don't have to try to fight our way up to heaven because God put his hand down to us and pulled us up to him through Jesus Christ. If you're here and you've never done that, let me encourage you. Have a think about it. Have a think about it. God loves you. God's for you. He's not against you. And he's got a whole world of opportunity there. But step one to get into that place is repentance of our sins, faith in Jesus, making a choice. It doesn't mean we become perfect overnight, but it means that we've opened our heart to God and we've said, God, come on in. And tweak the stuff you need to tweak. Do the work you need to do. Change the things you need to change because I'm on your side now. I'm not going to fight against you anymore, Lord. I'm going to work with you. Amen. Father, I just thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for your word, Lord. And uh, God, we just pray. Uh, God, I pray this morning for each person here. God, we live in a world that trivializes uh, sin. God, it really does. And Father, we, 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 we don't, we don't want to trivialize what's wrong, God. At the same time, we don't want to go to the other extreme and be a church that expects the ridiculous of people, Lord. God, we're all saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And Lord, I pray for each of us in this room, Father, we would understand the enormity of sin. We would understand the consequences of sin. We would understand that, God, you you were so against sin that you sent Jesus to die. That tells us something about how you feel about sin. But at the same time, you were so for us that you sent somebody else, Jesus, instead of us, God. And we thank you for that mystery this morning, God. Father, I pray for each of us uh, in this room as we go from this place uh, this week, God. Give us opportunity to share the goodness of God with somebody out there that doesn't know you this week. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. I've got more there, but I want to stop there and we'll save the rest of it. And there's something for next week. Ready to go. Bless you, guys.